ready to weekend. I'm ready to relax, cut loose a little bit, and get the Stanley Cup playoffs back tonight, and then get the NBA ones tipped off. Uh, before we do that, though, we got the sports pen to finish out the week. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you with us. Ryan Stieg for the Mining Journal here. What's up, Ryan? No, I'm doing okay. It's uh, I wasn't happy with the weather to start the day, but mm-hmm. it's, it's clearing up. It's getting better. Uh, yeah, it's uh, almost all the snow that was on the road is almost like off the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some snow still on the ground, you know, because, you know, it accumulated, but... The roads are clear now, so it, it kind of worked out. It wasn't as bad as they were making it out to be around Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, um, I didn't like the ice no. on top of the snow. That made it kind of difficult <laughs> <laughs> in the morning because uh, people were sliding a lot more. Like, if it was just snow, it's like, okay, you can just kind of plow through it, you know, because there wasn't a whole lot on the ground. But when there's ice on top of it, it makes it a little <laughs> little shaky. Tell you what, uh, the ice last night at the Frozen Four was taking a beating. That thing was becoming snowier by the minute, and they tried playing a couple of games on there. And they did their darndest to keep it clean and fresh, but... They had a tough time doing so. Yeah, they had to, a couple of times during the games, had to have guys, you know, pat down the ice, you know, make little mounds and try to fix everything. And that's not a good thing um, when you're on a national stage and you look like you have to fix the ice over and over again, which you wouldn't think would happen at an NHL arena. Right. (laughs) But, uh... I don't know, maybe Buffalo didn't put a whole lot of effort into <laughs> cleaning the ice because it's not a Sabres game or what. But. Well, I tell you what, we've got the Stanley Cup playoffs to break down, the NBA playoffs tip off tomorrow. Who is the potential replacement for Magic Johnson plus the Friday Funnies to finish out the week? But I want to start with the Frozen Four National Semifinals last night in Buffalo. The attendance was really spotty. That was one of the biggest stories that we came away with. The attendance was pretty bad at the Frozen Four in Buffalo last night. Games were pretty good, especially the second one. Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, when the Frozen Four happened, everybody's talking about the games. But it seems like the crowd was almost talked about as much as the games were. It was, especially the 5 o'clock game, I was watching, I'm like, there is not a lot of people here. And there were sometimes even sections in the lower bowl that were completely empty. Mm -hmm. And that looks really bad, not only for the NCAA who put the the games there, but for the teams that are playing there, because it shows that we don't have the following enough to get people to come to the games. And it looks bad for the city, too, because it's like, you bid for this, <laughs> then you can't even get people to show up Real for passionate it. fan base you yeah, got there. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't great. Um, but as me and a couple guys talked about um, on social media, we were like, well, St. Paul has people that where it was last year has a lot of hockey fans. Mm-hmm. People show up for games. It's the state there. of hockey. And it helped that Duluth was there because yeah. they played in the early game and you got a huge crowd at the beginning. But... None of the teams are from the Buffalo area or even upstate New York, and it just it created some issues, and there are some people who probably didn't even know where Minnesota Duluth was, <laughs> you know, so it just, it, it wasn't ideal, and uh, based on the attendance, I mean, who knows, it might be a lot better Saturday for the championship, but... I don't see it coming back to Buffalo. The games themselves, though, pretty entertaining. Providence, they've made a great run. Their goaltending is among the best in the country, but, you know, they're kind of where we thought they were. You know, they were a four seed going into the postseason, and they battled well. They come up short with a couple of empty netters as of late. Which Uh, made the game look worse than it was. Yeah, it did. I mean, the score was not indicative of how good of a game it was. Duluth is just that good of a team that they... 
they're my pick to repeat as champions tomorrow night. And then Denver dominated the last 25 minutes of their game against UMass. The last 10 in the third period when they were down 3-1. to one, And then the 15 minutes that were played in overtime. And Lindbergh was standing on his head to try and keep UMass in that game. And thankfully he was. All it took was one good look for UMass no matter how much Denver was dominating them. It was just one good look in overtime that sends them to their first championship. Yeah, to start with Duluth-Providence, it was a tight game. Um, I thought maybe I wrote a column for a website I write for, and I thought what what would put Providence past Duluth was if their power play could stay hot. Yeah. They scored their one goal was on the power play, mm-hmm. so it shows that they're really good on they it. They scored it like 20 seconds into the play. Yeah, yeah, so it shows how efficient they are. The problem was is that they had a five-on-three and just – they came so close. They mm-hmm. hit like three pipes during that stretch. And, oh, I just cringed that this one guy took a bad angle shot where if he passed it, he had a wide open across the crease and he would have beat Shep- the other guy would have beat Shepard pretty easily. And it's just like when things like that happen, it's like you think it's not going to go your way and it ended up not going their way. So Duluth moves on. I know they were favored and they're probably the favorite going into Saturday. Um, and then UMass Denver. I thought UMass for a stretch had it in the bag. They, they did. They, yeah. they should have. Yeah, they were up three one. Had two power play goals. Um, you know, um, they were just looking really good. And then Denver just woke up. They got one back in the second. Got another one in the third. They tied it up. It looked like this was going to go the Pioneers' way. And then, which, by the way, great call by Bucci, because yeah. it was just perfect timing for him, because in the overtime, you know, UMass has the puck behind the Denver net, and the guy just kind of flings it back to the point, and the guy who shot it basically just had, when he did the one-timer, had built up a bunch of speed when he came up, it wasn't just he had a stick back, he was mm-hmm. like charging towards the puck, and Buchagras yells out, as soon as the puck went to the guy, yells out, watch out, <laughs> and then the puck goes flying into the back of the net. So, And then Bucci keeps going, watch out, watch out, because <laughs> it was like he had no clue it was going in, and then, but it ended up being a cool call for Nobody him. Nobody thought Del Geyser was going to shoot it from where he did. and, and It was way out there. It was way it was out like, there. Like almost right on the blue like line. Like the chances they were getting in overtime, not necessarily UMass, but Denver for the most part, out of all the chances they were getting, how ironic is it that that turned out to be the game winner? Yeah, um, you know, you're getting garbage goals, you're getting, like, some good action, and then just an absolute blast that uh, <laughs> Denver goalie had no chance Mm-mm. of getting, like, he looked, and the puck was already in the net by the time he looked to the side. So it was like, he wasn't going to catch it. It got through traffic, and it was just a perfect goal for UMass. And, uh, you know, some people are already counting them out, and it's like, I, I'm i leaning towards UMass mm-hmm. in the championship, because... And here's the key. Just get past the 2-1 margin. Because Duluth tends to win when it's a 2-1 margin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like get that third goal, and, you're may, and you might be golden from that What is that it, point. six of their last seven tournament games, they've won 2-1? Two 2-1, to one. Two to one. Yeah. yeah. So just get past that, you know, get that third goal, and you might be golden. And uh, when the first part I was watching the game, UMass was in control, and I'm like, they're going to give Duluth a good battle. This mm-hmm. is going to be a good championship game. But when they started to collapse, then I know a lot of people were jumping off the UMass bandwagon. But it's just like, well, Denver's a good team. You know, it's not like they were, you know, right. it's not like they were playing American International in the Frozen Four or something like that. They played, they were playing a good team who, and Denver doesn't quit. 
They've made a lot of comebacks against good teams over the years in the Frozen Four. So it's, but it's just when something like that happens, where you get the goal when your team should be losing mm. at that point, but you get the goal to win it. It's like you almost have that good fortunes going your way, and. I wouldn't be surprised. I picked UMass in my column to win it, and mm. I think if they if they can just play like they did in the opening minutes of that game and stay consistent, I think they can get it. But uh, they can't afford to just fall apart against a team like Duluth. Denver and UMass combined for three major penalties and a few ejections in that game. Did you agree with those? It was interesting because some of them – we're debatable, mm-hmm. where you're like, well, I don't know if this should be tossed. I can see, a, you know, a, like a, maybe a major, but I don't know if it's a game misconduct. Mm-hmm. But, and then it was weird, because then they let that one slide in the last couple minutes, <laughs> where it's like these guys are calling headshots the whole game, and then they let the, you know, the UMass guy get away with a blatant one right in, the de- right in front of the Denver bench. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, well, why aren't you going to call that one? It's a good question, but I think at that point in the game, they're not going to call anything. No. They <laughs> Even don't want to be what decides it. Yeah, they don't want to be the ones that decide it. Even if it was a pretty blatant penalty, but I think I think also if they were going to do it, they were going to give it a 2 rather mm. than a 5 because if you give them a 5, it's almost a guarantee right. <laughs> on it. So it's just I don't know. It's like the Denver guy, yeah, I'd say he needed to be tossed. One of the UMass guys, sorry, probably should have been tossed. I'm not sure about the third one, but uh yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a bizarre, very physical game and, like, really, like, questionable. Like, why are you hitting so high? Kind of It's like you know you can't do it, you mm-hmm. know. Are you trying to send a spark for your team or what? But it's, like, blatant stuff that you shouldn't be doing, so. Well, I tell you what, uh, the WCHA had the officiating crew for that second game last <laughs> night. David Carl might be sending the commissioner some letters. Yeah, I, uh... Nice. <laughs> nice way to look for the WCHA. Interesting enough, Atlantic Hockey did the uh, yeah. Duluth-Providence game and did a pretty good job yeah. with it. Um, uh, Atlantic Hockey tends to be overlooked a lot <laughs> in like every area, but uh, they're a good league and uh, good officiating. And then the WCHA, their chance on the national stage and looked <sighs> not great. So. Uh, UMass brings to the table arguably the best player in college hockey this year in Cole McCarr. Uh, UMass coach Greg Carville is going to be hanging out with Butchie and Melrose tonight at their ceremony to give out the Hobie Baker. So maybe that's that a tells you anything. <laughs> I was there last year when uh, when Cale Morris won the Richter and Jeff Jackson, not so coincidentally, had to be in the house. Yeah, that kind of gives it away. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think we know who's going to win the Hobie tonight. Yeah, and that's not a surprise. No. You know, he had he had the stats to back it up. UMass had a good year. They might not have had the good year they had if he wasn't for him. So, um, yeah, I, he seemed to be the favorite going in to the Hobie voting that I was in, that I was part of. Uh, here's a funny story, mm-hmm. you know, because there's always we always talk about the ten finalists during the Hobie voting. And uh, there's this one year where a guy I know who was a beat writer for North Dakota said uh, he was on the Hobie for a few years, and he said we are on, like, the third finalist. And one of the coaches who's on the committee said, I want to stop this right now. What are we doing? Because we all know who we're voting for. <laughs> <laughs> so this is all kind of a long formality when everybody knew it was going to win the award. So um, I I understand that at times. I mean, you're like, 
basically throwing everybody a bone. This is why this guy should deserve it, even though he's not going to get it. And this is, but uh, there's a fun story there. But it's uh, he deserves it, and uh, UMass is going to put up a good fight. It's going to mm-hmm. be a good game. Uh, UMass winners of 31 games this year. That's a program record. By the way, last night's overtime win for the Minutemen was the first national semifinal to go to overtime since 2008. Michigan and Notre Dame. Remember that game? I do. That was a battle. Yeah, I were. Uh, I thought that uh, Michigan was going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, they were heavily favored, and then Notre Dame upset them. It was kind of a surprising upset. Not as huge as some other upsets have been, but that was a bit of a surprise. And then Boston College finally got the job done in 2008 <laughs> after ch- uh, not playing well in the championships the previous years. So, um, but yeah, I, I love it when games are exciting, though. I, I hate blowouts, especially mm-hmm. on a national stage. So you still thinking UMass for tomorrow? I think they're going to win by one. By one? Okay. I think it's going to be 3-2. I could see it being 3-2, but I still got to go with Duluth. You know, they're there for the third straight year. UMass has never been there. I just get the feeling that Duluth is better at every position group. Maybe not every position specifically. Uh, McCarr is the best defenseman on the ice. But every position group as a whole, I, I just feel... Duluth has that edge over them. They're just going to be deeper, and at some point it's going to have to matter. The thing is, though, is that if you look at the categories, UMass is a better offense. They have a better defense. They have the better special teams. Do you think so, though? Statistically. Well, well, statistically (laughs) they've produced, but strength of schedule goes into that. And I do think that the player-for-player comparisons favor Duluth. I think you can make the case that that experience can play a role, and there's probably a little more, I guess, star power on Duluth's side. But UMass is efficient, and if they can play at the level you saw it in the regionals, <laughs> you saw, you know, and they came out strong against Denver in the Frozen Four. So if they can play at their level, that's going to be a good battle. I just, I don't know. It's, I, I don't want to. The thing is with Duluth is that they always. I don't know, they, they either surprise me or they let me down. Like, they'll, I'll pick them to win, and they'll play badly, mm-hmm. and then I'll pick them to lose, and then they'll end up winning the national championship. So it's like they're kind of like that thorn in my side, mm-hmm. really, because it's like whenever I pick them to do well, they don't, and when I pick them not to, they do. So it's ergs. But I picked UMass to be well, so huh? maybe I'm sticking with that one. Duluth needs to stay out of the box, first and that's foremost. Pr- they that's stay out of the box, play a clean game. I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, it, it, but it's going to be a good one. I hope It'll people tune in one. for it. Um, it's a late puck drop, <laughs> which is a little weird because it used to be a lot earlier. Yep. Yeah, so I, I don't know if they're really emphasizing the whole primetime thing, but uh, if they're going the CBS route with the Final Four. with <laughs> They overdid it. Yeah, starting the game at 9.30 at night. <laughs> I don't know what that helps at all. but And then hockey starts a semifinal at 5 yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. Terrible. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stig with you. We owe you a timeout when we come back. Game two of the Stanley Cup playoffs for about 10 teams will get going tonight. We break it down next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stig with you. Glad that you're with us. We said that we were going to get to the NHL. We will. Breaking news out of the NBA. The Lakers and head coach Luke Walton have just agreed to part ways. You know, quote, unquote, mutually part ways. We all know what that means. Uh, but Luke <laughs> Walton is out as head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. 
Yeah, I, I love the whole mutually part ways. It's like, no, you you made him part ways, yeah. and he was forced to be okay with that. <laughs> uh, front runner for the Laker job, Mr. Ty, Ty Lue. Reunite with LeBron? Why? Well, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I don't know what he would do to fix this. Yeah, I mean, you really think that's an upgrade? Uh, uh, maybe we'll not. Uh I mean, oh, he shit. did an okay job in Cleveland, but that, right. was, but that was a team that was run by the players, not really right. by Ty Lue. Uh, and Luke Walton's likely going to have a job by the end of the weekend because the Sacramento Kings reportedly want him to replace Dave Yeager. How's that going to be better? I don't know. I, I'm I'm not in charge of these decisions. The, the, the Kings are an absolute mess of a franchise, mm-hmm. and they're going to grab a guy who just got fired. Well, mutually parted ways. Oh, yeah, mutually part, <laughs> who mutually parted ways with this team. Yeah, it seems a weird way to go about it. Uh, Rob Palenka, as of right now, is still the general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, let's let's move the NBA, or excuse me, let's move the NHL to segment three uh, because yeah, I want to run with this. I wasn't originally going to talk about this, but with what just came to light with Luke Walton plus the whole Magic Johnson situation. I'm hearing a possible replacement for him, and I didn't think it was news. I thought, you know, it was just pundits going off, trying to have their 15 minutes. But the more I hear about it, the more I wonder if it's gaining ground, and the name that keeps being floated around to replace Magic Johnson as Lakers president of basketball operations is Kobe Bryant. And I don't like to say anything, you know, negative as much as I can. I try to be a good guy and whatnot, but... If Jeannie Buss makes that decision, it is one of the most incompetent, stupid things the Lakers could possibly do. As much as I don't want to knock on Kobe, why would he be an upgrade over Magic Johnson? Magic wasn't qualified for the job. What's Kobe done to show you that he would? Time to quit hiring your friends or guys who are legends with the franchise, but go out and get somebody who's qualified for the job. The weird thing is that people magically think that former great athletes have the answers. Mm-hmm. Look what John Elway is doing. In there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, John Elway cannot figure out who's a good quarterback, and no. that says something. So you have a dysfunctional franchise with the Lakers, and you got a guy with Kobe who is hated by his teammates <laughs> is going to come in and try to manage a roster and try to put together a good team. It just seems like a lot of problems are going to come out of that. And uh, Kobe's ego could very easily get in the way of that. Do you think he even wants to do it? Like, why would he see what Magic went through? Like, Magic turned from a beloved legend to a guy who was routinely criticized. Why would Kobe even want that job? I don't think he would. I mean, being a GM is not a fun position. And uh, he's got enough money. Mm -hmm. He's a celebrity. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could do whatever he wants. I just don't understand why you'd want to manage a franchise. (laughs) Is it just... It just seems like a lot of pressure on you on making excellent decisions. And if Magic Johnson couldn't do it, I don't know what makes you think Kobe Bryant's going to be able to do it. Just because he's a legendary player doesn't mean he knows how to do a team correct. I mean, look at what Michael Jordan did. Mm. I mean, wasn't he in charge of the Bobcats? That was a disaster. And now he's in charge of the Hornets, and they're still not really doing much. It's like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there's any actual traction to these again. It's just being floated around, and it will continue to be until Kobe comes out and says, I'm not taking this job. The only reason I could see for the Lakers wanting to bring in Kobe, he would trade LeBron, Mm -hmm. and the fans would not hold it against him. That's the only way that I could see this 
having any kind of merit, and even still, that's not worth it. But if this were to happen, for whatever reason, if this were to come out of left field and happen, that's a sign to LeBron that he is a persona non grata. He is no longer welcome with the Lakers. That would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> After, you know, spending his whole career there and being a legend and uh, and wearing two different jerseys. Yeah. So kudos to him. <laughs> to be able to excel while wearing two different jerseys. Jordan did it, you mm-hmm. know, for a stretch with that 45 and wore a 12 for that one game. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I just I don't know why he'd want it. I don't think it's a smart decision, and I don't think Jeannie's going to be that. After do, having it, what happened with Magic, I don't understand why she would even consider doing that again. And then Ty Lu reportedly a front row. Like, why? Like, how is that going to make, like, that makes me think maybe they are going to get somebody unqualified again for Magic's job. They might go out and try to get Kobe if they think Ty Lu is the solution to their problems. Well, Ty Lu was there when LeBron won his title. <laughs> oh, and he had a lot to do with that. Yeah, so it's like, well, maybe they're like. It's like how Eric Spolster won LeBron yeah. the title. And uh, if you, maybe he's like, he would connected with LeBron. Maybe uh, if LeBron is reunited with him, the Lakers' fortunes, I don't know. It just, that seems like a real reach. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, trying to figure out the logic in that one. But, I don't know, the Lakers are a mess. And, uh, I mean, they're not the worst team that's just a debacle. They're not the Knicks, right. <laughs> you know, or the Kings. But uh, they got us some work to do, yeah. You know, who I think would be good for that job is Jeff Van Gundy. For president of Laker operations. Hmm. I really think he'd be a good guy for that job. I don't think they'll hire him, but I think he would be a good guy for it. The coach or the GM? The, the GM. Okay. I think Jeff, not Stan. <laughs> Stan needs a little time away from coaching. Yeah. Pistons fans know that. Yeah. Okay. Because Jeff used to coach. Jeff it, did used to. They both used to coach. Yeah. So it's like, what route do you want to take? I think he could be a general manager, president of basketball operations staff. I think he'd be good in that role. I do think it's probably the better role for yeah. him. But uh, you never know. Kobe. You never know. <laughs> I mean, if <laughs> if you're looking at Ty Lue, you may as well look at you know everybody down may the line. May as well look at Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. Bring back David Blatt. What's he doing? I think he's coaching professionally in Israel. Okay. Somewhere. He's, <laughs> he's on the Eastern Hemisphere well, coaching professionally. Good for him. I, I honestly thought he fell off the face there because <laughs> I'd never heard of from he's, him since. He's so. somewhere out there. I, I don't know. We'll look up during the break where David Platt is. But, yeah, uh, he's not in America coaching yeah. anymore. So Maybe he'll come back overseas. Yeah, I mean, the, he could reunite with LeBron. Yeah, uh, that went so well the first time. <laughs> Tell you what, NBA playoffs do start tomorrow night, though. Uh, Bucks and Pistons are going to be the one that everybody talks about up here. We're really excited to be able to share some something special with you is we will have a very special sports pen on Monday uh, regarding the Bucks and Pistons playoff series. I'll be at the forum on Sunday night. I'll be there for game one. Really excited to uh, take it in from press row to get some inside access with players and coaches from both teams. We're going to piece them all together and package them as part of a really special sports pen on Monday. So it's something that we haven't done here at ESPN-UP, at least for the NBA playoffs. And with the Bucks and Pistons playing in the first round, seemed like a perfect time. So I'm really excited for this. It sounds like it could be fun. Yeah, so Sunday night, I'll try and get on TV. You know, we'll rep the UP and... Uh, uh, we'll have something special for Monday. You're going to rep like the Westwood Patriots? We could do yeah, that. You could do that. could find something. I think uh, Westwood listeners would appreciate that. I'm sure there's, you know what, here's the thing. Westwood was doing, I need to, I've got Westwood clothes, but 
during the booster fundraiser when they were doing their uh, sale back in like November, December, I think I ordered about $60 worth in clothes. They told me the order's in. I still haven't gotten them yet. I tried, and I cannot find the store. Like, I, I can't, there's discrepancy about which store it is. I think it's Martin's. I tried looking up where Martin's is. I could not find it. It took me to, like, a gas station. It, like, I don't know. Okay. So, yeah, if anyone can help me find where Martin's are, then <laughs> I can pick up my clothes after, like, five months. Martin, Martin runs a clothing racket out of the back of a gas station. <laughs> I don't think so. I think Martin's has a store. I just, I got to find it. My Westwood friends will help me find it. Uh, so Bucks and Pistons. Bucks have the best record in the NBA playoffs in the NBA overall this year. Pistons sneak in at forty-one and forty-one. Uh, so the Bucks top overall record in the NBA. Warriors still got to be the favorite, but I don't think it's as consensus as maybe we all thought. We did a poll today here on the ESPN UP Twitter. Uh, if you had to take the Bucks or the rest of the field, the other fifteen teams in the playoffs, who would you pick? Would you say I, I'm sorry, not the Bucks, the Warriors or the other field of fifteen? I would say in the past, like if you look at last year, you know, I would uh, automatically pick the Warriors. But uh, this year, it's maybe not like a written in conclusion. No. You know, it's not set in stone. I think there's some teams that could make some noise against them that the Warriors could very well lose in the West. Yeah. You know, at some point in the playoffs, it's not going to be in the first round, but maybe in the conference finals, um, could lose to a team in the East. Do you think, is it Milwaukee's year? I was asked that a couple times. It's tough. It's tough. I think it could be any of the four teams, the top four seeds in the East here. I really think it could be. Uh, Milwaukee's certainly set up to be successful for years to come. If it's not this year, they will still have an open window, whereas Toronto and Philadelphia will not. Boston will be kind of teetering on that ledge. Uh, Milwaukee's primed to be the top dog in the East for years to come. I mean, the Warriors, when you look at their road in the West, the Clippers, they'll beat the Clippers, but it's not going to be easy. The Clippers are going to be a really scrappy 8C. That's a tough matchup for them. The Rockets in the semis, presumably, and then the Nuggets, likely, that's a tough road to even get out of the West. Yeah. You know, and it's weird how things have gotten for Golden State, where it looked like they were just going to cruise year after year to the mm-hmm. finals, and now it seems like maybe this could be the end. Maybe not completely, but mm-hmm. it's like maybe this is the start, you know, of like the West is actually becoming a more overall competitive league instead of like who's fighting for the two seed. It's going to be people are actually competing with the Warriors mm-hmm. for one seed. So um, it's interesting. It's funny with the Bucks because in Wisconsin, the Bucks are, from what people have told me who are from Wisconsin, are like the forgotten team out there. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Packers, the Brewers, and the University of Wisconsin. Yeah. There's like that logo. They took like the Brewers logo and they said, okay, <laughs> you know, Green Bay is in the middle as the ball. Mm-hmm. And then the Brewers are on the top with the glove. And then Wisconsin's at the top with the glove part. And then the, the bottom of it is going to be, you know, the Brewers. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't interesting, but the Bucks aren't even on there, so it's <laughs> it's weird how they've become the team. I mean, Green Bay is always going to be the team in Wisconsin, but now like everybody's talking about the Bucks. So, do you believe that it could be the? Uh, I'm sorry, I just want to get uh, before I tell you the results of the poll: the Warriors or the Field of Fifteen? Who are you taking? If you had to pick one of those two, it's you like know, Duke or the Field in the NCAA tournament this year. If I would ask you before the tournament, you know. I'm going with the field this year. Oh, yeah? 
I mean, it would be easier to go at the field if it was like a one-game thing because anything can happen there. But the, it's, do you have the ability to grind out four wins, mm-hmm. you know, or three wins? You know, it's – I think that – the field has a little bit of the advantage, but at the same time, you still have to beat the Warriors, and you have to beat them a couple times on the and their home court. We put this poll up about 9.30 this morning. It got 68 votes, 50-50 split between the Warriors and the field. That would not have happened last year. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a long time before somebody thought that was possible. NBA playoffs start tomorrow, and... Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, don't forget, Monday, special sports pen. We go behind the scenes from the forum. The Bucks and Pistons ESPN-UP will be live there Sunday night for game one. We owe you a timeout. Coming up, unless somebody else gets canned and during the break, then uh, we've got the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs to break down next in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Here's your Sports Center update. Marquette guard Marcus Howard has announced that he will return to college for his senior season next year. Howard was sixth in the nation in total scoring this season, averaging 25 points per game. The Golden Eagles get their top dog back. Uh, Notre Dame goaltender Kale Morris is going to return for his senior season. He announced just a couple of minutes ago he won the Richter Award a year ago, and until about two hours from now, he is still the defending Richter champion. And finally, Ryan, I'm, I narrowed it down to three, and finally, they're all good ones, so I need your help uh, okay. with which one I need to get. Here's the first one. Uh, Mississippi Neighborhood has been waking up to bowls of mashed potatoes decorating the Bellhaven neighborhood of Jackson, Mississippi, since Tuesday. Random bowls of mashed potatoes are just sitting out in this neighborhood. People are finding them on their cars, on their mailboxes, their porches. Nobody knows what this is. It's a college town, so people are thinking, you know, maybe it's a college student thing because a lot of the people who've received these bowls of mashed potatoes are people who work at the university there. Some are worried it's sinister because... Apparently, it's a neighborhood with a lot of stray cats. They're worried these are poison mashed potatoes, like to control the stray cat population. Uh, It's just a really weird story out of Jackson, Mississippi. People keep waking up to bowls of mashed potatoes in their neighborhood. Is it like an art thing? I don't know. That could be something. No one's claiming responsibility. Because there's... Sometimes you see stuff like that. Like, New York City went through this strand where, like, they place, like, different objects or something like that all around Central Park, and they're just, like... I can't remember what it was, or there was that one guy in California who put, like, yellow sambo- yellow umbrellas down the side of the highways <laughs> and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, maybe that's it. I'm not understanting the mashed potatoes thing. Maybe <laughs> Isn't that something more like a student in Idaho would do? You would think. Yeah, so I don't know. But, like, I've seen weird stuff. Art-related, is it a prank? Is it, you know, I... But even if you were trying to feed animals, why mashed potatoes? <laughs> yeah, like a straight cat's going to come and say, oh, I want a bowl of mashed potatoes. potatoes? No, it's like you do a fish. Like something. a fancy feast kind yeah. of thing, you know? I don't – it's it's weird. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what it is, though. Uh, here's the second one. Taco Bell has just built a Taco Bell-themed wedding chapel on the Vegas Strip. And for $600, they will cater your wedding at their Taco Bell Chapel – Taco Bell theme. They're going to give you Taco Bell champagne flutes 
and your first meal as a married couple, they give you a taco 12-pack with your $600. Huh. <laughs> so you can get married by Taco Bell. I can see that. I love Taco Bell. <laughs> and there are people who are going to do this, is the thing. Taco Bell has, like, a really passionate fan base. But I love Taco Bell. you don't want to be Bell. that guy who gets married by Taco Bell. There's always that guy. There will be that guy, but you don't <laughs> want to be that guy. <laughs> you know, I can see, like... I can see a very much a young couple, very much a passionate young couple that, you know, like maybe met at a Taco Bell or I don't know. There's something like that attaches to their relationship because you see that all the time. Mm -hmm. People get married in unique, unique locations or they propose in unique locations. So who knows? There's going to be somebody and and probably more than one, actually, who would be ecstatic to be married by Taco Bell. They're actually having a contest. You can be the first couple to get married there. You send in a 30-second video saying why you're passionate about Taco Bell and why you should be the couple that gets married in their first Taco Bell chapel on the Vegas Strip. Huh. That's, that's something, isn't it? How do you sell yourself, though? I don't know. Uh, How are you that passionate about Taco Bell? Like, I... I love chalupas more than any other guy. Or, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, what what is your marketing going to be? I... I'm intrigued to see who gets it, just to see what they did to make Taco Bell think this is the guy. The winning video is going to be disgusting. Oh, Uh, probably, yeah. (laughs) Finally, remember Tommy Tuberville? I do. Old football coach at Auburn? This week, he announced his candidacy for the United States Senate. Tommy Tuberville has gone political. He has announced his candidacy... For the Republican primary in the state of Alabama, he is going to contend for the Senate seat currently held by Doug Jones. I feel like that's a sign in your life when you can't find something to do. (laughs) You know, it's like you get out of coaching and you're kind of lost. So like, hey, I'll enter politics. Didn't Tom Osborne did that? And Steve Largent did that? J.C. Watts? Pete Schuler? (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, you know... My opinions on football weren't great. <laughs> Maybe my political opinions will be even better. You know, it's like it's you see athletes do that or coaches and it's just like I don't see it. And the thing is some people are thinking he's favored, but it's like he, he <laughs> it's not like he was ultimately phenomenally successful at Auburn and he failed at Tech, Texas Tech, failed at Cincinnati. So it's like How's that going to be your selling point? Here, here's the thing: is I wonder if there could be a chance that he wins this thing because right now he's one of two that are vying for the Republican nomination. And let's be honest: I mean, I don't want to get too political, but Alabama's a red state, and Doug Jones was not elected because the people there were in love with his policies. They were in love; be, uh, they elected him because Roy Moore, the opponent, was a train wreck. So there's a chance Tommy Tuberville really could win this thing and be a U.S. senator. <laughs> He could be, but it's like, you look at, I mean, if Nick Saban was running, you know, oh, he'd yeah. win in a landslide. But it's like, Tommy Toverville just doesn't have the same ring to it. He could no. very well get it, the, you know, the nomination. But, you know, just because you're a football coach doesn't mean you have the greatest pitch. Right. I mean, what if you're... I mean, what if you're in the primary and you're saying the exact same things as the other guy... <laughs> what is setting you apart? I mean, it's, he's got to come up with I something. I think what he's trying to do, he's very much a Trump-sponsored candidate. I think that's what he wants. He wants the president to come down, help him out, pitch for him. 
Weird. Go stump for him in Alabama. That's my theory. I don't know if that's if I'm on base with that or not, but that's what I'm guessing is going on with Tommy Tuberville. Huh. So he is a candidate for the U.S. Senate. This is the sports panel on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. We wasted about 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, this is an interesting it. transition. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody's got one game under their belt, and we get back to game two for several teams tonight. Any bigger surprise from the first game for everybody other than Tampa blowing a 3 nothing lead? I would say that was probably at the very, very top. I yeah. think Boston not showing up oh, against geez. Toronto was a big one. That was um, going to be a slugfest, and instead it was a 4-1 swallow. Yeah, and that was really bad. I was trying to keep a t- I was watching that in addition to watching college hockey. Um, the Flames are really impressive. Mike mm-hmm. Smith was a oh, surprise. Oh, man, he was amazing last <laughs> night. Mike Smith is like that guy in the league as a goalie who's been around for years, but you mm-hmm. kind of forget about. Right. But he'll have that one year where, like, he's lights out in the playoffs, and and then he'll be awful the next year. <laughs> so it's interesting how he how he is. But, uh, yeah, Calgary was impressive. Um, I'm sure. I would say Tampa's probably at the top just because that collapse yeah. that they were blowing out Columbus. Um, but I don't know. It's the games have been pretty competitive, you know. St. Louis and Winnipeg was a good one. Jordan Bennington continues to impress in his first ever playoff game. How much did Dallas beating Nashville surprise you? Not as much. Not as much. Yeah. Um, it was so. It was. I, I mean, thought Dallas would get one game, but I didn't think it'd be the first one. Uh, yeah, I think. Nashville's favored, obviously, but I mean, the thing is, you never know in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And there's always a team that doesn't show up in the first mm-hmm. round, and they're favored. So maybe it's going to be Nashville this year. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. Nashville always has you know country music artists or mm-hmm. like musicians start the game. And there's a guy I know on Twitter. I think Big and Rich was the national anthem, <laughs> sang the national anthem, and he tweeted out and said. Why is Ted Nugent and his accountant sitting in the <laughs> national anthem? <laughs> I thought, isn't that a great way oh, to describe no. Big and Rich? It was, it was just, it was funny. So, um, but yeah, I'm. Uh, it's. I think Tampa choking was the biggest thing, but we'll see what happens. I there's. I don't think there's a lockdown series where mm-hmm. it's like okay. This is going to be a sweep, or this can be five games. I mean, Carolina put up a big fight they against did. Washington last night, and uh, I'm sure Alex Klein was not <laughs> in a great mood the entire game. I talked to her a little today. I saw her at softball over at the Superior Dome, and you know, she kind of lets out a whew. Yeah, you know. kind of a thing. So um, I think, you know, I still think the, the bunch of jerks aren't going to be able to get a win against the defending champs, mm-hmm. but uh, I think they'll make it interesting. How about Pittsburgh? You think they bounce back and even the series tonight? What happened to your Penguins? Yeah, they, uh, they're they not as deep as they used to be. They looked like they were in good shape, well, you know, in that game. And then, like, things just kind of went other. That Nick Letty goal was crazy. Yeah, it was. You know, and the Islanders are they're a good team. You know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if either team won this series. Uh, but it's important for Pittsburgh to win tonight because, you know, you want to split in the road, have an even series, go into Pittsburgh, and then have the home ice advantage the rest of the way. Yeah, it's it's weird how uh, – what I love, the fact, is that the Islanders are playing in NASA. Yeah. Because people really noticed how Long Island gets behind the Islanders, especially in the postseason, because it's their team. Mm-hmm. and. People talked about it was an actual home ice advantage. Yeah, there's a lot of arenas that'll get loud, but it's like they really got behind them. Like 
the whole Long Island area went full out and supported the Islanders. And they're playing the Penguins, who are an excellent team. So it's like the first time that the Penguins have had to deal with a really, truly passionate crowd mm. in the playoffs. So it it's interesting. I, I think it's one of the more intriguing series of the playoffs. Can I say that as a Penguins fan, maybe I'm just being too pessimistic. Matt Murray is not as good as he's sold to be. He can he can win you a few games if you you know give him a clean pocket, clean crease, but he's not going to steal games like he's hyped up. At least not yet in his career. Didn't he do that though in the first? Didn't he like perform Maybe really early well? on in his career? But he's he can't stay healthy, and I think those injuries have taken a toll on him. Okay, I think I can. I think I can see that case. It's interesting how. You know, the Penguins gave up on Fleury, and Fleury had this amazing year with Vegas, and then now people are questioning Ben Murray, the guy who they thought was going to be the heir apparent. Uh, well, that play. was the right move. Yeah, I mean, it was the right move, but it's, it's just it's interesting how it's kind of shaking out that way. It's like, huh, maybe it wasn't the right move. It was, but, I mean, I can see the second guessing right now. So I think the playoffs are interesting. The NBA is, you know, is this the end of the Warriors, yeah. you know, trend? You got the NHL. Are the Caps going to repeat? I nah. don't see it. Nah. <laughs> I think a lot of stuff went their way last year, and it was kind of their time. But it's, I don't know. I think it's Tampa's year. But I, they, I do, too. They just can't have a game like they did against Columbus. If Tampa does get beaten out at some point during this tournament, I don't think there is a clear favorite. I don't think there really is an established number no, two. No, no. It's like once Tampa gets eliminated, it's kind of up for grabs mm-hmm. at that point. So it's... I. I know, and it's got to be frustrating for Lightning fans, especially if they don't get it done this year because mm-hmm. they've been really building towards something. They came close in 2015, and they're like the favorite. And I think if they don't get it done this year, it's going to be like a failure in a lot of people's minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell you what, I forgot to mention, did look it up, though. David Blatt is coaching in the Greek League. He is the head coach at so, Olympicos. Okay. So... That's now you know where he's at. Yep. So where in the world? Where, where in the world is David Blatt? There you go. <laughs> we found him. I tell you what, uh, we owe you one last time out when we come back. Friday funnies to finish out the week. You're listening to Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at four on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you just about down to the five o'clock hour. And we can start the weekend, as always, end the week with the Friday Funnies. Okay, so Roman Foster, who is a lineman mm-hmm. for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, decided really looked like a hypocrite <laughs> you know, this week because, <laughs> you know, he called for civility with the Steelers because the Steelers are looking really dysfunctional right now. Extremely. Yeah, with Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, you have Antonio Brown, <laughs> you know, going crazy, and it's just... They're having a lot of issues. Well, he said he tried to squash it. When when Rashard Mendelhall came out and basically said Ben Roethlisberger was racist, he suddenly walked back his comments on Twitter, Mm. and apparently Foster talked to him about it, issued a statement that he released on social media that said he wanted to have people discuss the issues with him, or Marcus Pouncey, Mm. rather than, you know voice it in public, which is hilarious because 
he had no problems blasting Le'Veon Bell <laughs> in the media, and you know, has and the Steelers union rep tried to get the guy to not ask for more money, which mm-hmm. is a weird way of going about it, and said, "Don't post stuff on social media," and yet posted his thing on social. media. <laughs> it's just like I don't know what he was doing there, and basically say people called Foster like. Ben Roethlisberger's PR firm because that's basically what he did. Oh, people are mean to Ben Roethlisberger. I got to interfere, you know. So, but he was okay with blasting Le'Veon Bell. So mm-hmm. he he looks pretty bad right now. Joe Pavelski of the Sharks goal off his face. Oh yeah. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, and he came back with a face guard. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, he's a tough guy. I, yeah, I don't. I haven't seen a guy wear a chin guard. And they, you know, I've seen goalies wear like a neck guard because you're afraid of getting slashed with skates. Mm-hmm. But the chin guard was interesting. So that's what he came back and played with. Um, yeah, that had to hurt for him. Um, we look over here at Nick Markakis, <laughs> who at his house had a bunch of guns and twenty thousand dollars in cash stolen from a safe yeah. from his house. And this must be a rich people thing, because. I don't know anybody who has $20,000 in cash just sitting in their house. <laughs> By the guns. Yeah, it's like, why Why do you have twenty grand in your house just there? I mean, don't you, do, is this for ransom, <laughs> you know, in case someone steals your car and you want it back? It's just odd. I mean, I understand the guns because there's a lot of gun owners, gun owners around and, uh, you know, people go hunting and all that jazz. But the $20,000 cash was kind of weird to me because... I don't think I've heard of people doing that. So I don't know what he was using it for, for a rainy day or something, but he has the money to pay for stuff. Right. So it's weird. Um, tennis tournament in Marrakesh. Um, where? Marrakesh. Hmm. Okay. You know where that is? No. Okay. I think it's in Morocco. Oh. Um, it was dominated by a commentator who spent the whole match chewing and crunching and rustling a bag so it's like which is you know they're taught don't do stuff when you're on the air right yeah so this guy is i don't know having a bag of chips or something and the bag is crumbling and he's loud chewing over it and it's just it ruins the entire broadcast so there's a funny there and you're a radio broadcaster right you're taught not to do that oh sure yeah so i thought you'd appreciate that i do appreciate that and uh of course the ump in las vegas the dog. Oh, you yeah. saw that. Okay. Yep. So Las Vegas, ha- their minor AAA team has a bat. You know, dog mm-hmm. who comes up and gets the bats after each at back and brings it back to the dugout. Well, apparently he was a little slow out of the gate to get the bat, so the ump grabbed it and tossed it aside. And people booed the ump because it <laughs> took away the responsibility away from the dog, and they thought he did this maliciously. And it was just like he just. No, <laughs> just the dog wasn't coming out when he was supposed to. So I feel like that was unfair to the umpire, but uh, that seems to be a thing, having a bat dog. I like how they do that. It's like, you know, play and fetch, but a bigger stick. Yeah, yeah. a little something. Yeah. You know? But that's a minor league thing. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody in the majors no, would No, no, minor league relies on gimmicks. Yeah. Joey Votto, the rugs. Uh, sorry, the rugs. Joey Votto, the Cincinnati Reds, got plunked at the ball and did, like, the con- stereotypical Canadian thing mm. by inst- by tossing the ball gently back to the pitcher. Mm. You know, he took after getting plunked with the ball a few steps toward the mound. So naturally, the umpire is coming out to try to th- you know prevent a brawl from erupting. But he just stops, gently tosses it, and trots down to first base. It was 
it was weird. <laughs> it was like it was like a peacekeeping mission, and it was like for a guy who, you know, has shown his temper a few times to just be free and okay with getting hit with a ball. It's Especially just, after what happened this week. Yeah. The bench is clearing yeah. ball against the Pirates. Maybe he was told to keep it under control, you know, did some meditating before, <laughs> you know. Yeah, just, you know, calm down or something. Uh, you heard about Marcelo Zuna from, oh, the, from the Cardinals. Okay, that's all over social media, but talk about re- mistiming a jump. <laughs> He's chasing down a fly ball. And he's thinking it's going to be over the fence. He goes up to try to make a leaping catch, completely misjudges it. It falls about a good 10, 15 feet short of the fence, comes down off the fence, tries to chase up, trips, falls, and the ball bounces, and then goes over his shoulder. So this guy looked terrible for two angles. One, that he completely misjudged it, and then didn't recover enough to come back, even though he probably had time to come back and get it, and still didn't get it done. So, yeah, that's... Is that going to be his thing for this career, you think? I hope not for him. I wouldn't want that to be the way people remember me. Yeah, there's a lot of bloopers that get played over <laughs> and over again. I mean, that's poor Bill Buckner's legacy. The not top ten inspired by Bill Buckner. Yeah, and... uh it's Conseco's thing, the ball going off his head into the fence. I think p- people are remembering him more for that. Than By the his... way, he's getting more serious about his Bigfoot expedition. Really? That's how people are starting to remember him. I thought he, he like, It's almost like he tweeted this out as a joke a few months ago. We talked about it on here a little bit. And now people actually want to do this. Like People aren't paying him to do it. I don't... Is, this has to be a racket he's doing. I, I, does he need money? <laughs> Well, I mean, his book, I yeah. mean, the sales are down for that now, so right. maybe he needs to find another source of income if I con people <laughs> to go on Bigfoot trips, you know? You could hire a guy to get a giant costume and go walk around these woods and pretend to be Bigfoot. You could. That'd be a great way to make money. Wasn't that the thing, that Bigfoot footage? Wasn't that just some guy in a costume? I don't know. Yeah, but... Uh, I thought it was a gorilla. <laughs> Just wandering the woods <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest, but well, I guess if you need to make funny somehow, you may as you could go that route. I mean, you could go overseas and like try to say, "Let's go hunt a yeti" or something. Let's go like find the Loch Ness yes, monster. Answer, you know, that's you need you'd con people into doing you it. Could yeah, you could get away with it. Yeah, so that's a good source of income for him. Uh, the next to last one I have is a soccer um, Shivas U seventeen player was doing a penalty kick, shot the ball off the crossbar, and it goes, like, shoots off into orbit. It's at least, like, 15 feet in the air. He kicked it that hard. And he's walking away and thinks he missed. It bounces straight down and bounces right into the net. Oh. Like, the guy, the goalkeeper is sitting there going, oh, I guess, you know, he's, like, walking away, <laughs> thinking that it's so, and it bounces off the ground and went, goes into net. So it, it worked out for him. Yeah, um, uh, it goes to the old thing, though, you know. Make sure that the ball is completely completely out of the way before you uh, you know start walking away. But uh, and then the last one I talked about you earlier. Uh, Jay Cutler had apparently quite a feat. Oh boy! Yeah. So Kristen Kelvy Larry, who is dating, or is he married? Married Joy Cutler? I think yeah. married, maybe married. But anyway, reality show <laughs> person Kristen Kelvy Larry is married to Jay Cutler and said in a dinner that she her milk ducts ducks were clogged and he cleared them out 
by sucking harder than he's ever sucked. Social media had fun with that. Yeah, that's all over the place. And when I saw it, and I told you, I was like, is he playing football again? Mm-hmm. That he sucked harder than he's ever sucked before? Because he, he still uh, is playing, Yeah, isn't he? yeah. You know, has he joined the NFL again? You know, gotten a starting job somewhere? You I know? get him confused with Brock Osweiler a lot. They're both, like, <laughs> mediocre careers. But uh, not surprising, you know, is that at dinner, people had been drinking. And the fun thing people said was that Jay Cutler, after this was said, just sat in the corner and kept sipping his margarita like nothing <laughs> happened. Jay Cutler looked like the guy who would enjoy a margarita. Yeah. Um, I think he just didn't. I think his attitude is just, I don't care about anything. Because <laughs> it's just like, he's out the way on the football field. Crazy thing gets told about him at a dinner party. He's just leaning in a chair, finishing his drink. It's really, that might be the most Jay Cutler thing ever. But, uh, yeah, there's there's my funnies for the week. Um, I hope people like those. I mean, there's some. there's definitely some interesting ones in there. And it comes on an interesting quote, too, the last one. Wow. In that spirit, let's <laughs> yeah. weekend. <laughs> yeah, so, but a lot of good things going on this weekend. There was a lot of good stuff happening. There's going to be a lot that's happening this weekend. Again, special sports pen coming up on Monday. Inside access behind the scenes to both the Pistons and the Bucks following game one Sunday night. ESPN-UP will be there Sunday night, and uh, we'll have plenty of good content for you on Monday. So hope to have you here Eastern 3 Central. Are you going to be in the locker room at all? I will. Well, that's cool. Yeah, so I'm planning on uh, hitting up Giannis, Blake, and then off camera, you know, off the record, we're going to go out and we're going to take on Milwaukee. Okay. We're going to tear it down, whatever they say. Well, yeah, you can scope up the city, and yeah. uh, I haven't been to Milwaukee in years, so I'm sure it's... I can't remember last time I've been to Milwaukee. Yeah, so maybe it, I'm sure it's changed since I was there, but... Uh, Giannis looks like he's fun. Blake, I'm sure, is a party animal, so... Well, and you get to see just how passionate they're behind the Bucks. you know? <laughs> it seems like that their way, but, you know, you can take in the whole area and see how much they're getting behind them, too. I'm going to ask Budenholzer if he actually is Sean Spicer, too. We'll answer that question from well, a few that, weeks ago. Well, Sounds good there, yeah. He looks like Sean Spicer. Does he not? He looks just like Sean Spicer. He looks like, if we were playing what he looks like, he should be the over-hostile presidential press secretary. So we need to go back and do that, another segment, maybe? Probably. Okay. <laughs> and, like, well, we could, we could like, do it on the Facebook page, too. You there could you post, go. We could post the photos of the guy and say, do you think he looks like Sean Spicer? <laughs> Uh, that's it for us as we hit the 5 o'clock hour. Enjoy your weekend. For Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops. Be sure to join us Monday. Inside Access, Bucks and Pistons on the Sports Pen.